once I started walking, I almost became more afraid of life and activity. So I didn't do anything physical. Like I, my activity level almost went down once I started walking and I was able to walk. So be, from my 20s and into my 30s, I literally just, my health just started declining downhill all the way. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a really inspiring guest for you today. Tony Jacobson is the author of Disable Your Disability and an NASM certified personal trainer. He was born with a rare bone disorder that makes his bones brittle. And after years of being held back because of it and being extremely unhealthy, he flipped the switch and learned to embrace it. Now at the age of 46, he is living a healthy, high-powered, happy life, and his mission is to help others do the same. Through his books, speaking engagements, and as a certified personal trainer with his online program, he's doing everything in his power to share his story, provide guidance and support, and spread the message that you can disable your disability. Tony, welcome to the show. Oh, Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. It's great to be here with you and all the listeners. I want to start from the beginning, and in your intro, we read about this rare bone disorder you had. Talk to us about what that bone disorder is, how rare is it, and and we'll start from there because I'm really interested in that portion of your story. Yeah, well, I have a rare bone disorder. It's called osteogenesis imperfecta. Say that five times fast. I dare you. <laughs> um, it is uh, definitely, the, the short version is OI, or uh, people just call it brittle bones. It is fragile bones, you know, in layman's terms. And pretty much I was born with it. I, you know, it is passed down through heredity, but I actually was a spontaneous mutation of it, which can happen. It is classified as a rare disorder and it only affects between uh, 25,000 and 40,000 people in the United States. So, you know, for something to be considered rare, it needs to affect less than I think it's 200,000 people. So it is a rare disorder. It is, you know, worldwide, of course, you know, I've connected with a lot of people, but it is very rare. And it is categorized by having fragile bones. There's many different types. I am type one, which is the mildest form. And I've actually had about 70 fractures throughout my lifetime. There are people with more severe types. Uh, I think there's 18 different types at this point, but there are four to five major types. And with the more severe types, some people can be in the hundreds of fractures in their lifetime and end up 
you know, having to use a wheelchair for their entire lives and um, not being able to walk, not being able to do certain things. So I am, again, I'm one of the lucky ones that I have a mild type, but I still have suffered through a lot of fractures throughout my life. So is this the sort of thing I imagine, you know, because babies don't move around a lot, but as youngsters with this condition become toddlers and start moving around, they get fractured. Do they, do they diagnose this just by, well, you've been in and you've had quite a few fractures or do they actually do like a genetic test when a kid goes into the hospital and they figure it out that way? Yeah. Eventually there is a, a genetic test that is done. They can actually do testing in utero now, which is great. But like when I was diagnosed, which was the early seventies there, uh, it was even more rare at that time. And it was a situation where I was just breaking frequently as a kid. And unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's pros and cons to it. When a child is breaking multiple times, the parents are always questioned. And so there's always that little uncomfortable situation where the parents are questioned about, you know, why is this child breaking so much? But now that there has been more consciousness and more awareness of what OI is, they tend to say, well, let's test for this. Let's test for this sooner. So then there is a genetic testing that is done. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And from the standpoint, you mentioned growing up with this, you had a lot of breaks and you, you know, and I love that there's a positive spin that you've got this, you mentioned pros and cons, but talk to us, Tony, about what it was like growing up when you were young with this condition. Well, I'll tell you what it was, it was tough. It was very much a situation where I was, you know, most of my breaks did happen when I was kids. So I was laid up most of the time. I spent the majority of my childhood laid up in a bed. And that would be either at in the hospital or at home. And I spent a lot of time in, in being in casts, you know, being splinted up and uh, not being able to get around. And it was, and it was tough. I, I wasn't able to do a lot. I wasn't able to, you know, do simple things like get out and play with my friends. You know, going to school was a difficult situation. Uh, you know, I used a wheelchair when I was a kid. So just the fact of having to be in the wheelchair, being restricted, constantly being in fear of breaking something and really fracturing quite often. When I was a child, I would, I would break probably every three months to every six months something something would happen and it could happen from the from the simplest things it didn't have to be a traumatic sort of accident so when i was growing up i was very you know very restricted you know by my family and by by my parents by my family and eventually by myself to where i would restrict myself from from being active and from doing things of course you know now i've found where there's pros in that but the the cons during that time, I didn't see the light. It was very much, you know, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be active. I didn't want to have to lay in bed and have to have surgeries and have to be in pain because, you know, pain was a major part of this fracturing all the time. And even though my pain tolerance increased, you know, I was still in pain. And that, that's pretty much what childhood was. It was being in pain, being in fear of breaking bones and really just being restricted, not being able to, 
you know, kind of hang out and just do the things that a kid would do. How did your parents explain that to you? They didn't. I, I, I think, you know, they really didn't talk to me much about that. I, I think it was more of a protective thing. They didn't want me to feel disabled. They didn't want me to think of myself as disabled. So they really didn't, they really didn't talk about that. And I think, you know, with my parents, they weren't necessarily in touch with themselves emotionally. And, you know, just in our family, like we didn't, we didn't really talk about emotions and kind of go in that direction. So when I was, you know, growing up, when I was depressed or when I was sad, there really weren't discussions about that. And there weren't really discussions about why things were happening the way they were happening. Like my parents never explained to me, well, we're going to do this for you because of this. It was literally, you know, you're just going to, you're going to go to school. You're going to be in this wheelchair because we don't want you to break something. And like, I already knew that, you know, it was more of the underlying emotional stuff, the psychological stuff that I wish I would have had you know, more of a, more of a chance to talk to them about that. And I wish they would have been more open to talking to me about that. And, and you mentioned Tony, the psychological stuff were, were your exact words there. So talk to us about, you know, not when you're a little kid, but now, you know, you're entering adulthood. So talk to us about the patterns and the belief systems that you held once you graduated high school and now you're you know, on your way to growing up. That's where I held on to a lot of that stuff. I, you know, as I grew up and and got into my teenage years, I've always been creative. So I've always written stories. I've always written poetry. I've always worked on music and, and songs. And I feel that a lot of my turmoil that I grew up with, in addition to just being a teenager, just going through the regular teenage stuff, I had all of this extra stuff that came along with my disability. And the biggest one, the biggest thing that I kind of held on to was this idea of being careful. I was always told to be careful. I make a joke about it. I tell people that for a while, I felt that my name was Tony, be careful, because that's all I heard. You know, everyone would just tell me, Tony, be careful. Tony, be careful. You know, anytime I wanted to do something. So I grew up with that in my mind. And as I started to get older, get into my teenage years, my early adult years, I still held on to be careful. It was just always something that I thought about. And it stopped me from doing a lot of things. It, it again, it restricted me in life, even though I was kind of being creative, expressing myself and trying to break out of that, just kind of express myself and my feelings and my emotions. I always had in the back of my mind, be careful. And it just showed throughout my early, you know, my early adulthood, I, I, I just felt very restricted again. And this thought of being careful and always being mindful of you know, what it meant if I broke something, because there was a, a whole psychological play and emotional play that came along with fracturing something. And I always felt that it was a bad thing. And I would, you know, be set back and I would be taken out of life if I would break something. And so all of this really kept me from fully expressing myself uh, during those years. So one of the things that 
I read in your bio, and I, I smiled as I read it, is that, that you flipped the switch, that you were unhealthy, living an unhealthy life, I think was the exact two words. Mm-hmm. And that switch flipped. So how old were you when that switch flipped? And most importantly, why then? Like, What was it that made you flip that on and, and decide to make that change? Just taking a step back, it didn't happen until I was in my 40s, my early 40s. And what happened was, again, I used a wheelchair when I was a kid. And I'd, I started walking on crutches like when I was in my teenage years. My senior year in high school was when I started, when I got out of the wheelchair, started walking on crutches. And then when I was in my early 20s, I think I was 24 years old, I had a final surgery done on my legs. And it was at that time I was actually able to take my first like unassisted steps. It was the first time I was able to walk on my own when I was 24 years old. So at that point, because of everything that had happened with me psychologically, emotionally, with this be careful mindset, once I started walking, I almost became more afraid of life and activity. So I didn't do anything physical. Like I, my activity level almost went down once I started walking and I was able to walk. So be, from my 20s and into my 30s, I literally just, my health just started declining downhill all the way. And it got worse and worse. And even though I was able to walk and, you know, active that way, I just didn't take care of myself. You know, I kind of felt that my disability had control of me and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. So finally, you know, when I reached my, I think, 42nd birthday, I was in the worst shape of my life. I was very overweight. I'm a short guy. I'm only 5'2", and I was about 175 pounds, and I was having heartburn every single day. I was in pain every single day, my lower back, my hips, my legs. I just, I had no strength. I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs without holding on to the handrail. And I kept having, like during that year, I kept having pain in my stomach, like very, you know, intense pain. So I finally, I went to the doctor and, you know, I had my physical done that year. And he actually did an EKG on me that year. And he noticed that something might've happened with my heart. In fact, he told me that it looked like I might've had a small heart attack. And so it was at that point when that happened that I knew something had to change because I was like, wait a minute, now this is affecting even more of me than I thought. Like I had always thought, well, it's just a, it's just a bone thing. But now I saw that this disability was taking control of me in more ways. And now it was like getting at me at my heart, you know, and the, and the thought of me just having, possibly having a heart attack that, that just scared me. And so it was that fear of dying and losing my life to this disability that made me flip the switch. Um, you know, I was too young. I knew I had more to do and I really wanted to change my life. I, I knew I needed to do something. And that's when I flipped the switch. That's when I realized that I needed to do something that was the complete opposite of what my disability had been telling me my entire life. 
I knew that I couldn't be careful anymore. And so I sought out what I needed to do physically to get better, to lose weight, to get stronger. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So a lot of times, you know, what we know we need to do is self-evident, right? Like anybody who wants to lose weight or knows they need to lose weight can stand on a scale and said, yeah, I need to lose weight. But how did you make that change? How did you, you know, I I get your why and that makes a lot of sense. You, Mm -hmm. You essentially had a heart attack. How did you do what you had been unable to do your whole life? Well, there were a couple things that I needed to change. And it was really, well, I knew because with any sort of fitness regimen, getting healthy, it's exercise and eat better, right? And I just didn't know how to do those things, especially the exercise thing. Because again, with my disorder, exercise was always a no-no. It was a, you know, you can't do that because you're going to hurt yourself. So I really had to, you know, my flipping the switch was literally like a lot of psychological things had to happen. I had to push myself. I had to trust myself. I had to do, I had to do something that scared me. Um, so I hired a personal trainer. (laughs) I went all in. I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. I need someone to show me what to do. And I just want to kind of let go and let someone guide me. So I hired a personal trainer and started working out. And I started eating better at the same time, of course, and learning all I could about food and nutrition and how to properly feed my body. But when I went into the gym and started working out, it was um, it was just an amazing situation. I, I was able to really break through because a lot of people, you know, they just kind of start lifting weights and they get stronger. But for me, it was really like lifting weights, getting stronger physically, but also getting stronger mentally, getting stronger emotionally, seeing myself, being, being able to push myself past physical boundaries that I never had thought would have been possible. And that was, that was the biggest transformation for me. Even though like within eight months, my transformation happened. I, you know, was working out steady, steady three days a week, four, uh, you know, four or five days a week. Uh, later on, I was eating better, uh, really sticking to the program. I lost 40 pounds. Well, I didn't lose them. I dropped them. I, I didn't lose them because I don't plan on finding them again. I dropped mm-hmm. 40 pounds. I, you know, again, I felt stronger than I had ever felt in my life. And I was 42 years old. I started doing things physically that, you know, I had set goals for myself. I said, you know what? I want to, I want to run someday. And after my transformation, I ran in, in, in my first 5k race, you know, there was a, there was a 
a point in the gym where I said, you know what, I want to be able to jump. I want to be able to like lift both my feet up off the ground at the same time. At the end of my transformation, I was able to do box jumps at the gym. So these things, you know, this, this, these physical things were the manifestation of what I was accomplishing internally, emotionally, and psychologically. And, and that's how I did it. It was just really pushing myself and really, you know, just pushing myself in a lot of ways that I never would have thought uh, when it came to the emotion and the psychological things that I had been dealing with from my childhood. One of the things I loved in your share, Tony, is that you basically stated you had no idea how you were going to go about getting healthier, but you hired a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And while that sounds like a simple thing, I think a lot of us lose lose track of the fact that sometimes we're faced with things that we might not have the answers to. And a mentor, a guide is so critical in, in taking that next step. Yeah, I absolutely think that that's true. And, and I talk about that in the book. I talk about getting help. I think a lot of times uh, people with disabilities have a tough time asking for help. I think it's a pride thing. I think a lot of people, and I even felt this early in life, you know, I felt that asking for help was a weakness. It was showing a sign of weakness and just showing more of, you know, that I'm, that I'm, I'm disabled. I can't take care of myself and I shouldn't be asking for help. I should just do everything myself. And I think that was something that I needed to change and understand was that asking for help, especially in this situation, was actually a sign of strength, was actually showing that I can accomplish more with help. And so when it comes to having the disability, and you know, I do this with a lot of my clients, and you know, I really encourage people that I speak to and other people that have disabilities, and I encourage them to not be afraid to ask for help because, like you're saying, with a mentor. With guidance, we achieve goals faster and we learn more and you can get things done faster in life by doing that. So I think it's a very key thing, especially if, you know, if someone is, does have a disability, don't be afraid to ask for help because it, is a, it, is a, it does show a sign of strength when you do ask for help because it means that you do want to get something done, you do want to make a change. And that's what it's really all about. And you mentioned that this is one of the key tenets of your book. Talk to us about when you knew you were going to write that book. And then let's, let's walk through that book so people can figure out what they're going to learn. You know, I always thought that I had a book in me. <laughs> and at some point, I wanted to write a book. And I had a few people in my life saying, you know, you should write a book uh, just about your life. And I just never felt that I had something powerful enough to share with people. When I went through my transformation and, and went through what I went through and learned what I learned, I realized that that was the time, it was time for me to write this book. And really, Disable Your Disability is, it's a self-help memoir. It is half my story and half a how-to book of how to get healthy with a disability or despite a disability. And really, you know, I share my story in the book and, and what I've dealt with in the physical aspects a lot, because it really does have to do with the physical side of things. But I share my story so that people can kind of understand what I've been through and they can see, hey, if he's done it, I can do it. 
And then the second half really does hone into mindset and fitness, exercise, movement, and also nutrition, eating right. And it really, I give you the step-by-step. I mean, it's like, these are the things I've learned. And if you follow these things, you can also flip the switch and disable your disability. So I don't want you to give away all the secrets of the book, but, <laughs> but let's, let's start with mindset. Can you spend a few minutes to us talking about mindset as it is specifically stated in your book and your approach to that? Yeah, I think mindset and, you know, mindset, I start with that. When it gets to the second half of the book, I start with mind, mindset before I even get into the fitness and the nutrition, because really how I feel and how I believe and anytime I go into coaching clients, it's really, that's the first place you have to start. You have to start with how you think about fitness and how you think about nutrition. That's where you have to start. And especially when you're dealing with a disability, something that's kind of holding you back, limited mobility, uh, certain things that, you know, functionality that you don't have, you really have to start with the mindset about what you think. A lot of people, you know, in, in fact, the first section is called, you can't change your disability, so what can you change? And I think that's a big part of, you know, what I teach. It's not, it, you have to shift your thinking from, I can't do these things, this set of things, to what can I do? And let's start looking at the things that you can do as opposed to what you can't do. Because again, that's what I had to do. I was constantly just laying out the laundry list of things I couldn't do because of my disability. And as soon as I shifted my mindset and started looking at the things that I could do, even the smallest things, that's when things started to shift for me. So it's really all about mindset, digging it, digging into how you think about yourself, your disability, and how you can change the way that you think about yourself, your disability, and, and what your disability means to you. For me, it was very much embracing the disability. And I think that comes from the mindset. I love that, Tony. And one of the things that I thought was so poignant that you shared is you mentioned, and it was the, the little things. And you had alluded to that earlier in our discussion, talking about these small victories, you know, losing the weight, seeing that it was proof positive that you were accomplishing these things. I think sometimes it's so easy for people to get caught up in all of the things that are going wrong that they fail to, to see the victories, even if they're small. That, that they can experience. And when we experience those victories, it can start really changing the way that we feel about ourselves and the world. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. It is all about shifting your focus. And when you're able to shift your focus to the positive and really get yourself out of the constant negative that is just kind of default for a lot of people, unfortunately, when you can shift that and start to see the positives that do lie in even some of the situations that we would consider to be negative, that's when you will start to see those small victories and you will start to see, oh yeah, I can do that. I am able to do that. I do feel better when I do this activity or when I eat this better food. You know, There are those shifts that need to be made, but it really is you know, those small victories 
And if you're just shifting from the negative to the positive and really pushing yourself that way, that's when you start to see that all of those small things add up. And the next thing you know, you're transformed. You're a different person. You're feeling better. You're moving better. And, and life is good. I love it. Life is good. So we will have, for all of you listening, in the car or at the gym, working on getting yourself in that great shape like Tony talks about. We're going to have a link to his book, Disable Your Disability, at thedailyhelping.com and in the Daily Helping app in the resources section. So Tony, we're close to the end here. Talk to us about what you're doing today and how you're helping people. Well, of course, you know, I'm I'm doing all I can to just get out and and spread this message of, you know, living a healthy, high-powered, happy life. And I've got the book got the book out and that's available in in all versions paperback and and Kindle ebook and also the audiobook so people can pick that up on Amazon and you know always come to my website which is disableyourdisability.com you can find all of the resources there i just recently launched a membership site kind of through Patreon and I really encourage people to come to that site and see what's going on and and join and become part of that community. What I've done is I've taken everything that I'm working on and I'm funneling it through that site. I'm giving all that I can to be able to help as many people as possible with disabilities, without disabilities. If you feel you're stuck, you can't get something done and you want to work out, you want to eat better, you want to feel better that's the place to go. And you can get to that by going to my website, disableyourdisability.com. You'll find all the links there. And I think that's you know really what I'm about. I'm about just helping as much as possible. Uh, I'm doing the membership site. I do one-on-one coaching. And I just get out and I spread this message that you, know, you can disable your disability. Beautiful. As you know, I love to wrap up every episode by asking my guests, one question, and that is, what is your biggest helping? The single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing us today? For me, the biggest helping that I would like to give to people is to not be afraid to look for and identify where where you might be broken in life uh, or where you might be held back. Don't be afraid to look for those things or those ways in life that you may be held back. Because once you can identify it, once you can see where you might be broken, where you might be held back, then you'll be able to work with something. Then you've got something to work with. And then you can actually embrace these adversities, embrace these things that are holding you back. And once you do that, that's where the power comes to overcome, to heal, and to really, again, replace the negative with positive. Fantastic. Tony, give us that URL one more time. It is disableyourdisability.com. Perfect. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute honor having you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard and all the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And for all of you listening, wherever you are, 
in the world hearing this, thank you so much for tuning into our show. If you liked what you heard, please go subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the podcast. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 